welcome back to You're Doing It Wrong. Before we get started, I have a few classes that are coming up. Uh, There is a five-day intensive called The New Basics. It's about the new consent basics, really in-depth. That's from February 19th to 23rd. Then I'm doing my five-week rom-com class, a media literacy course for the hopeless romantic. That one's going to be super fun. That starts February 28th. And then my consent educator program this time around is a consent-based teaching artist program. So the goal is to help artists figure out how and what they want to teach and create a business around that to support their art practice. That is 11 weeks and it contains the consent educator training, the unblocked class on moving through creative blocks with a consent practice with yourself, and business support. My Boundaries and Consent Workbook for People Pleasers is now available for pre-order in paperback, which is super exciting. It's being published by For the Birds Trapped in Airports, which is a local LA press. And of course, we have our affiliate link to Foria CBD wellness products. Uh, You get 20% off and we get a little kickback, as well as our Lust Cinema affiliate links also in the show notes. Um, you get access to 20% off of their softcore, hardcore, and long-form uh, porn. It's awesome. Uh, I can speak to that uh, both from the perspective of a consumer and as an intimacy coordinator on some of their shoots. So I highly recommend that. And we get a little... Um, it helps support the show. So take a look at those and thank you for helping. Consent Wizardry also has hats and shirts and other fun stuff that also supports the show. Risden forgot, we forgot, we forgot to do Risden's ad, so we'll let you know what she's offering on the next one. Sorry about that, everybody. And Risden, I forgot. Okay, we're back. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! Mew, mew. Uh, what's this podcast called? Oh my god, uh, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. I had to think about it. Uh, we took a break, and I'm a little sicky. Yeah, it's your turn. To get sick. I feel like everyone's been sick. That's, you know what I mean? I was sick twice over the holidays. Yeah, I don't know. Well, it's not COVID. I took two tests, and I just am a little congested. Um, but happy to be here and to be back. Same. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know where I am. <laughs> We're in my kitchen today. Yes. And you have your, uh, your new sweater that you made on. I do. If you're watching, if you want to see my sweater, you can watch the YouTube version because I yeah. made this sweater with my own two hands and I'm extremely proud of it run don't walk to the video version of this podcast so you can yeah. witness the glory of this sweater Risden watched me make part of this sweater and um this was also a sweater that i was like i'm gonna get myself some nice yarn for the holidays and i bought three what's called skeins of yarn and i was like wow that's a lot of money it was like 150 dollars and then used it all up for half of the sweater had to go back and do it all over again and then needed yet another skein. So this was this was an unintentionally absurdly expensive sweater. 
I, I feel like it's important to delineate for our guests that might not be dykes that <laughs> there is uh the cr- the cr- <laughs> there is a there's certain kinds of lesbians and yeah i know you're like you're more of a boy than a lesbian but like there's craft dykes right and then there's like handy dykes and I don't know what I am, but but my uh, the running joke is if you invite me to a craft night, I'm just going to gossip with you. Like, I do mm. not have any skills, and yet I now know what a skein is. Yes. Even though I maybe haven't touched yarn in 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like dyke fag, fag, <laughs> dyke. I'm some, I'm sort of skirting that line, you mm-hmm. know? I think that's fun, dyke yeah. fag. Yeah. That's cute. Yeah, I'm not a lesbian. No. <laughs> but dyke works. Yeah, I, I strongly identify as a dyke, which is pretty hilarious. But Why is that hilarious? Whatever. Well, because I mostly date trans people. I mean, if I'm really anything, I'm a chaser. But, yeah. um, you know. There's a word for that. It's called, I think it's called scoliosexual. What does that mean? It means that you like, that you're like attracted primarily to trans people oh that's a much nicer it sounds sort of like scoliosis which is interesting <laughs> but which i also S- have oh yeah it's, <laughs> but it's s-k-o-l-i-o um and i think it's all you know it's like a nice word for chaser <laughs> however i do understand being i mean and i feel like it applies to me that i'm like predominantly attracted to like gender nonconformity what I've called wobbly gender um with the hand motion yeah (laughs) and then in addition to that we've sort of talked about how I tend to be attracted to like um like hyper gender Uh uh-huh uh-huh whereas you you sometimes are more attracted to people who are sort of more gender ambiguous is that the word like sort of more nebulous Yeah. yeah yeah a little like um I mean, I'm really attracted to androgyny, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also currently dating like a very binary trans girl, and um, she's hot as shit. <laughs> <laughs> we're both, yeah, we're we're both dating. Well, I'm not really dating. I'm sleeping with and feeding a trans woman as well, and I'm just oh, like, wait, it. why? What? Yeah, like. For our audience, do yourself a, ba- a favor and um, <laughs> make those choices because you, <laughs> you will be you will be thrilled. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's true. It's like there's it's really special. I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm dating two amazing trans girls, and I don't know how I you're, got so lucky. You're basically starting a a band. You need like you need like two more, and you'll have like a full. <laughs> it's like max silver and the and the, what? the dolls yeah the and dolls. the dolls oh my god <laughs> obviously max silver and the dolls wow one of them is a drummer i was gonna say the drummer's the hardest one to find so once you have a drummer you're just like you're good to go yeah um also this one this this is a relatively new uh dating situation and i have not asked her her comfort around being talked about publicly even namelessly so I'm gonna shut up now and check check in before I (laughs) do more of that um anonymity and like privacy are are tricky because I feel like you know especially like 
yeah, like if you leave out someone's name, obviously it's anonymous. And at the same time, like I'm trying to put myself in the place of someone of like hearing some, I know that they're talking about me, you know what I mean? But they're like not using my name. Mm-hmm. And it just, it, I don't know that I would feel like, what the fuck? But I think I would just sort mm. of be like, ooh, that's a little, that's like a weird feeling, you know? Yeah, I uh, am desperate to have people talk about me. <laughs> I, I didn't grow up with a lot of attention. I'm from a big family. So I'm like, God, please, somebody talk about me. But <laughs> different experiences for different people. Yeah. I don't mind. I mean, I've really, I have had to get over it with like my Instagram situation Mm. because I had someone once message me like I know that you know this is like rather thankless for you but like please know that like over here in Seattle we're having some really great conversations like born out of your content and it was obviously meant to be like so thank you for what you do Mm -hmm. and I like I felt that very much and also was like wait, there's like people talking about me in Seattle? What do you yeah, mean? It's a dyke craft night and they're talking Literally, about Literally, yes, yes. <laughs> the dyke craft night, like consent comes up and someone's like, does anybody follow this, you know, this faggot? <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, I'm going to let you say it. I'm so glad you did because I was like, please, yeah. <laughs> They think they're a well, fucking it's, wizard. It's good to start off right away with cancelable offenses. Excuse me no. while I hawk a loogie into an ashtray. <laughs> Is that what that was? Yeah, sorry. That was disgusting. Ugh. No, I thought you were eating something. Um, no, no, but I I'm, I'm glad. off screen, but I didn't I'm, make it. I'm glad we're starting right away with just, like, things that can get us canceled, you know? Just, like... Oh, I mean, every day of my life. And I... I mm-hmm. it's It's been so freeing I really have felt like I've come back to myself as I've like I literally wrote in my journal today about how like there's like a couple people that I can directly point to who contributed to me like monitoring and scrutinizing my my things that I said so hardcore that I was like constantly afraid that I was offending somebody mm-hmm. and it was like it was it was making my relationships really challenging it was making dating nearly impossible and and it's really confusing for me given that at the time I had an invasive alien species living inside of my body in the form of a tapeworm so I never was really like I look back and I'm like oh my god no wonder I like never felt safe you know, and I see how it contributed to like certain ways that I was doing my work during that time where I was like, I I feel like I was trying to kind of control people with consent to a certain degree, like things that I now am like, whoa, I really disagree with that approach, you know, and like, I don't think I was ever doing it to like a super extreme, but there were things that I was like doing to try to feel safe when I really wasn't feeling safe because of this like really specific physical reason, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but yeah, like letting myself have a sense of humor and put my foot in my mouth and like say stuff that, and like, if someone has a problem with it, that's okay. You know, like I've seen it in my classes. I've seen it on Instagram. I've seen it on the podcast and this one with you. Like it's, it's just, I, I can feel myself literally like coming back to myself. Um, and it, it's just such a better way to live. 
Yeah. Like divesting from a need. I think it's interesting because we talked earlier about this sort of idea of like, for me, it's like, how do we feel safe? Right. Like, Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm hearing you say that a lot of your feeling of not safety was because of your, um, what is the word? Like physical uh, state. Yeah. Your sidekick, if you will, your non-consensual sidekick. Um, <laughs> and then I, I also just think about how it's like, you know, part of me is like, we're not safe. Like any illusion you have of safety is sort of like created. Like it's not, do you yeah. know what I mean? Um, I don't know. And, 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 and again, like finding ways to, to feel safe that are sort of sourced from self rather than externally. I don't know. Right. I think like the mind fuck for me is like, even as I was, uh, even as I believed that and was working towards that and felt very much like I had achieved a greater deal of that, I now understand that there was like a limit to how much I was ever going to feel safe when I had something like literally eating me from the inside, like there was just only so much that I could like cultivate mentally, emotionally, you know, or like only so much that I could work on like my secure attachment Mm -hmm. before, like with, yeah, like without getting rid of this thing that I didn't know that I had, that was a constant threat to my well-being. Yeah, because you were in a relationship with an inse- insecurely attached invertebrate. Yeah, that you couldn't shake. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it makes total sense. This is a great segue into what we wanted to talk about today, which is like <laughs> people please. Oh, I feel like people pleasing is like how we can get in there, right? Sure. So, what I have a lot of this stuff around like not being afraid that what I say is going to offend people and like coming back to myself and embracing my sense of humor even when it you know causes me to say something that maybe I later regret or someone finds offensive it's it has really come from undoing people-pleasing tendencies and learning to appease less Mm -hmm. so I think we were talking about we wanted to talk about like the overlap between people-pleasing tendencies and causing harm mm-hmm. I'm trying to think how to jump in without we we're trying to not cite specific examples but right well not cite specific you know clients or emails we've yeah received, human but... human beings we know mm-hmm. yeah um well I think well, you work a lot with people who have experienced cancellation. Yes. Yes. And you've mentioned that a very common, like a strong theme mm-hmm. connecting a lot of them is these people-pleasing tendencies. Yeah, specifically, like a lot of people I work with have, um, you know, and, and a, actually there's this person that we both know named Mars who posted something about this that was a like good boy masculinity and he was saying yeah. that like trans like trans masculinity specifically is very good boy masculinity coded and i find that um a lot of my clients are not like egregious violent people they tend to be if anything almost extremely the opposite like mm-hmm. um 
really concerned with getting verbal consent um, to the point that like I would probably as their partner find it annoying Um, (laughs) and like very um, caretaking and and really like trying to be a good boy you know and not a bad boy and so it, it puts them in this binary where like I, it, it's interesting, like, I think they often become in their communities a safe place to act out former hurts of yes. more violent transgressions. For yeah. the partner. Yes, yeah. For yes. Other, other people in the community tend to, like, kind of go after this person when it, what their, this person's harms are, like, we're not talking about, like, quote, consent violations. We're talking about more, like, there were conversations that should have been had or maybe you should have known better but they're not or things like that but but they end up being a place like a sort of theater for people to act out um former harms that were much more upsetting and violent because this person is like a nice guy or whatever if that makes sense totally and I mean I have experienced that in my work um you know the uh, a specific area where this comes up uh quite frequently though not so much anymore and I think this is a testament to what I've been talking about about like shifting my own mentality but like uh you know people who've experienced a lot of like specifically people of color and black people who have experienced like immense trauma at the hands of like white academia Mm. join and then join my class and then there's like something that happens that kind of slips into that you know triggers that old wound and because I have made myself out to be someone who wants feedback and who will say thank you for telling me I will do better um just as you said like it becomes this like safe place to sort of take out like you know to speak to truth to power when you haven't felt able to in the past um, and that doesn't mean that there's, like, no room for me to do better, obviously. But it does mean that I've I've become kind of able to discern, like, is this my shit or is this someone else's shit? Yeah. I can feel a, it. Right. It's this thing I think we've talked about a fair amount previously, this idea of, like, not conflating your level of reaction with the level of the offense, mm-hmm. right? It's, like, sometimes your outrage isn't in proportion to what's actually occurring because it's historical. And right. I see that happen a lot, and that tends to be the fuel of a cancellation campaign or an exile campaign because we're so activated. And it's, like, but what really is the activation? Like, if we right. just literally objectively look down at what transpired... You know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like this is sort of tied to, tell me if this is too hard of a pivot, but you posted today this post. Um, I'll, I'll let you say what it was, but I, I told you this morning, I was like, oh, you woke up and chose violence <laughs> with this post. So you just went for it. Yeah. Um, okay. So the post said something about... Um, how, like, being a member of an oppressed group uh, doesn't make you exempt from, like, being oppressive. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I did change it from what I think was more violent, which was like, doesn't exempt you from being an oppressor. But I really (laughs) wanted to, yeah, I want, because I wanted to like point out, you know, these binaries and like how they're not serving Mm -hmm. us. I Mm -hmm. moved it to the adjective as opposed to the noun. So, um, the post was like largely about, you know, how this ha- I I think I address like this happens interpersonally. I also, by the way, like I wrote this post a couple of weeks ago, so I don't remember exactly what it said. Um, but so like it addresses how I you know I witness this interpersonally. I witness it a lot online. Um, I recently saw someone go on like a tirade on Lex about this. But like, oh my god, Lex, Lex forever. I what think I gotta I... leave. Like Lex <laughs> but is Nana... just. Lex is like, I can't. Oh, we need to have a whole episode about Lex, dude. Oh anyway. God. I can't with Lex. <laughs> like, I I nearly ended up with, like, a stalker from Lex. I, I, I really, Lex is, like, a sad, largely a sad corner of, of but it's, so is, like, all social media. Yeah. Lex feels like a, a, it feels like a cuddle pile of the wounded, in a way. I don't know oh how else God. to explain it. Yeah, truly. Mm. Anyway, you were, so one of the things in the post that was really interesting to me was it was... Um, oh, but it, also, this, sorry, yes. but also no, so this happens interpersonally, but it also happens globally as we're seeing amongst, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm Jewish, I'm a practicing Jew, and, like, be, I was speaking, you know, yes, like, interpersonally to people who do this in, like, their one-on-one relationships, and then also to, like, Jews at large, but also, like, anybody who who feels themselves, who believes themselves to be... Um, a member of an oppressed group such as cis women so I think that's where you want to go with this I'll leave it there always I'm like let's talk about cis women yeah as I like you know because it's all about me um but yeah I I just want to I know this is annoying but no just as you move back and forth yeah and that's just hard to edit yes thank you this fucking chair is really soft um no, it's that's fine. So, thank you. The 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 <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for me. telling me I could do thank better. <laughs> thank you for letting me know I can do better. I'm like, <laughs> I want to be able to move. Um, the yeah, the cis women thing because I I really appreciated like I think there's you know this framing of like um, I was explaining this to somebody earlier that like a lot of framing of essay specifically is that women are victims and we can say sexual assault in here we won't get shadow banned oh, okay great i yeah trigger warning we're gonna be talking about stuff um yeah this idea that like when women are the victims and and men are the perpetrators and so therefore any sort of like you see it a lot with ic it's like this idea that like we're there to protect the actress can we define our acronyms for our audience sure ic is intimacy coordination it's uh it's what mia and i do on set Mm -hmm. yeah when there's nudity or sex scenes or any intimacy scenes Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah, and I, I wrote this in our notes and you giggled at it, but I, I, I wrote, I see us actually for men. Um, and <laughs> you, were, you did a laughing emoji. But I'm serious because, like, I feel like when we go to set, 
you know, I've, I've seen it a fair amount that what ends up happening is the male, if it, cause it's usually like a heterosexual intimacy scene and the male actor ends up having to take care of the actress. And so he's checking in with her and he's really concerned about her experience. And instead, if we're there, he gets to just focus on his performance and do his actual job, not some other fucking job. Well, I'll, I'll elaborate a little bit on that. And also it's not like I see is actually for men in the sense that like it's not for anybody else. It's like <laughs> no, actually no. for men. But it's that <laughs> the calls that I have with men who are going to do a sex scene with a woman typically go like this. Um, do you want to act it out? <laughs> ring, ring. Yeah. You want to be the IC? Sure. Okay. Uh, hi, this is Mia. Um, I'm calling for, for uh, I don't know any actors' names. <laughs> okay. Let's scrap this idea. <laughs> It usually goes like this. Uh, does yeah, anything about the scene that like jumps out at you? Anything that anything any concerns you want to or any questions you want to ask? And then the guy says, um, "I just want her to be comfortable." Yeah, whatever she's comfortable with. Yeah, exactly. And people pleaser alarms go off in my head, right? Ring ring. Like this person doesn't think that he's allowed to have needs around his comfort. Mm-hmm. Um. He's going yeah. to defer to everybody else. What? Boundaries are for women. Yeah. <laughs> right. Men need to learn how to respect boundaries and women need to learn how to have boundaries. Men that's, need to learn how to... That's for girls. Yeah. Right. Women, women need to learn to say no and men mm-hmm. need to learn to take a no. Like, right, because um, have you ever said no to a, oh, to a cis white woman or, dare I say it, a, a white she-they? It goes great. Oh they my god, hearing, no. One of one of the truly like most shocking hookups I ever had was with like an AFAB NB where I was like you don't ask anything. You just do whatever the fuck you want. And I again like we said this earlier so it's not again to our listening audience, but I didn't feel <laughs> violated, okay? Mm-hmm. There just was, like, no consent taking place. And that's a really important distinction. Like, there, this person was, like, licking me. And you know how I hate being licked. <laughs> there, I mean, it wasn't, like, as bad as other instances where I've been licked in, like, weird... Like, on my arm, dude. Not the... Like, but so not the back licker, but, like, not the right back below. Licker. Yeah. But and this like, was an arm licker. They also, like, weren't drooling on me like the back licker. <laughs> Oh my god! But it sounds erotic. But I just all this was like the first time we and I just was kind of like watching them and being like, "Wow!" Like not once have you even considered. And it truly was also kind of bizarre because I felt like they were almost like dissociating in the sense that like they didn't know what they were doing to me, and I was kind of like, "This is a little." But also, of course, this person doesn't think that they could possibly, like, do better with consent or, like, need to do that, you know? Right. That's for men. Right. It's men need to learn consent and women need to, I don't, yeah, know know what their boundaries are, basically. Right? And then say the, them. Yeah. Right. Right. But, <laughs> yeah. But then the, the other part of it is, like, that then there comes this expectation that, like, men should be able to read women's minds. Yes. First of all, hang on. Because this binary, I, it, this is, first of all, it, it doesn't help anybody, right? Mm-hmm. It, these binaries don't 
serve anybody but they also like result in this kind of like othering quality of like well those people Mm. really need this and like I'm not one of those people and that results in like not reflecting I was writing about this this morning so incoming post like that results in not reflecting on you know the ways that you are also complicit in these behaviors um and then these binaries also uh they like okay I'm trying to get us I want us to move towards the like like if someone is not able to voice their boundaries like I think there's this idea that like men don't know how to respect boundaries right and mm-hmm. so, and then if we just take that out of the gender binary, it's like, okay, a lot of people aren't very good at respecting boundaries. And so that's what's bad. Mm-hmm. But what I see a lot of is a lot of people who don't know how, don't know what their boundaries feel like. So they don't know what they are. And then even once they know what they are, they don't know how to express them or they're not able to express them clearly. And so then a lot of consent violations happen as a result of just like, lack of clarity or misunderstandings outsourcing so there's a lot of like my top should know right or this person should know because of their gender or because of whatever fucking reason and so it's like i'm not supposed to know what my boundaries are like they're and they're supposed to do that right for me so the idea is that like if someone can't respect your boundaries they're unsafe Mm-hmm. but there's not a lot of discussion because people will call me a rape apologist or that I'm say that I'm victim blaming. There's not a lot of discussion around how unsafe people who can't express their boundaries are. Like someone yes. who can't say no to me is not a safe person for me to be in a relationship with. For someone who cannot tell me what their boundaries are is not a safe person for me to be in a relationship with because I cannot read someone's mind. No. And this is, we talked about like in SPT, like when I do surrogate partner therapy, a lot of times people like really want to get into the, like taking the clothes off erotic level stuff um, because that's where they think their problem is. And I have to really start them with a lot of the wheel of consent stuff because I have to make sure that we have, first of all, shared language, but more importantly, that they know where no is in their body and that they can say it to me because some people really like they they don't even know what no feels like and Mm -hmm. they can't say it or they feel uncomfortable saying it and it's like we have to get that muscle unatrophied before we can move into these more challenging things totally I did I went and I went through that with a sexological body worker and it was incredible and I I was on the floor sobbing like it was Mm -hmm. like so unfamiliar in my body and it was so challenging for me And it it felt like that ancient kind of like Mm. feeling of, you know, that I've only maybe otherwise had like in deciding to literally go back to temple and like Mm. sobbing with my rabbi on the floor playing Legos. Like, because I was like, I, and I, you know, um, Resma Menachem says if it's hysterical, it's historical. Historical. Yeah. So that kind of like hysterical crying where I'm like, I don't know what's going on you know like ancestral grief yeah right I had that experience when my dad told me right before my bat mitzvah he came into my room to say goodnight and he was like I have to tell you something I felt like you should know this before you have your bat mitzvah I don't believe in God and I just was like uncontrollably sobbing and I remember thinking and even trying to say like I don't know why I'm this upset like I'm like logically in this moment 
not upset like at the forefront of my mind and yet I'm sobbing like I don't understand why this is happening but he literally like began to unravel my trust in authority mm-hmm. you know like every I, I it, it gave me permission to like question everything you know but it also made me distrust a lot of like what was being told to me um it gave me choice you know like oh I get to like choose to believe this or not um yeah it was this like massive unraveling um which is, but, it's interesting because that ceremony is so about, like, coming into adulthood, right? And yes. it's, like, the, the actual thing of being an adult and not a child is, like, having autonomy and choice, right? And it's both exciting and also, like, devastating. Yes. As, as you experienced, yeah. Right, right. But so this no thing, right, is, like, I think there's a way, excuse me, that there are a lot of people learn about consent and they're like okay so like I just have to be easy to say no to you know like Mm -hmm. I just want to learn to I just have to learn to take rejection well how to respect people's boundaries and then like especially when I start teaching nonverbals, I think for some people it's like oh okay like this is going to help me understand the things that people can't say and it's like yes and like you get to decide if someone is safe for you to be in a relationship with like yeah, learning about consent is great so that you can be as safe of a person for other people. But that's also like the people pleasing impulse is like, how do I make sure that I'm treating other people well? And the I don't what comes after that, you know, that often is a lot more challenging is like, wait a second. I also get like not everyone gets to know me. Not everyone Mm -hmm. gets to be intimate or close to me. And what are my criteria for that? Yeah, this was, it reminds me of um, a client I worked with who works in the BDSM space. And one of the big things we worked on was them vetting their bottoms because a lot of real bottoms. So meaning like finding out, can this person say no to you? Finding out, does this person actually vetting, vetting, vetting. vetting. Yeah, yeah. Um, Do they know what they want from the experience? Because I think, and you know, as somebody who plays as a sub a lot too, I can speak to this. There's a lot of sort of just throwing yourself into the pool and being like, well, they're in charge. They know what to do. It's like you're, yeah, but you're putting them in a, you're putting your top in a terrible position by doing that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're giving them no framework to work in. And then anything you experience is somehow their responsibility. It's a fucking falsehood. Yeah. You know, I think too, it's interesting with the people pleasing. It, it makes me think sometimes people, maybe want to learn consent so that like they can never upset anybody yes do you know what I mean yes and never make anyone uncomfortable I'm never I will never hurt anyone again right (laughs) we did it Joe yeah yeah (laughs) and that's not only like not possible but it's like it's this Mm -hmm. perfectionism impulse you know I think a big part of like like I'm seeing a way that a lot of people want consent to be like math It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, well, like, if I just do it like this, then I get the right answer, and then bingo, you know. And then I was thinking about how consent really is less like math and more like an English class where, like, or an art class where you learn to interpret, you learn to have subjectivity. You know, math is rather objective, right? There's, like, certain you know, maybe some subjectivity comes in when it's like, well, 2 plus 2 is 4, but so is 3 plus 1, 
you know, four times one, two times two. Like, there's, like, different ways to get to the same answer. But, like, at the end of the day, it's really this, like, there's only so many options. With consent, I think of it more like, and I I compare consent to creativity all the time. I think they're really intimately linked. You know, it's much more about, it's less about is this right and more about do I like it. It's more Mm -hmm. about, like, learning what my desires are, what my needs are, and then learning to find my voice so that I can express myself. Like, and then, and then being able to go, you know what, like the way that I'm communicating is just not compatible. The way that I need to communicate is not compatible with the way that this person needs to communicate. Like I gave you the example of, you know, I'm not, um, I, you know, even as the consent person, like I'm not so into that much verbal consent like yes the first time maybe the second time as we get to know each other but my goal is to like cultivate enough trust with someone that they can be a little bit entitled to my body that they can take a little bit of ownership over my body and that we can communicate largely non-verbally because there's trust and and that I trust that I will speak up like that is so much more empowering than the like than the mentality of like, well, they should ask because I cannot, I, I, one of those I can control and one of those I can't. Yeah. I think it speaks to, I, this is, I wouldn't say it's a pet peeve, but, and I don't have a lot of casual sex, but in the past when I have, sometimes people want to give you like a real debrief on like everything they want and whatever. And I'm like, I really just want to know like what your hard limits are and what language to use. Let's just right. start there. And and have, you know, we talked about this before. It's like sexist play. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and when we were, and it's for adults. And when we were kids and we played house or we played fireman or whatever the fuck it is we played, we would change the rules as we went. We'd yeah. be like, okay, no, now you're Shredder and I'm Donatello or whatever. <laughs> it's like, you know, and it's like we need to have some of that give. And it's like, I don't really want to be Donatello, but I was Donatello last time. So I'm going to let you be Donatello today. There's this give and take and sort of thing that I think people want to have sex right or right. they want to do it and and that extends to larger we want our we want to be right we want to make everybody like us mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like having some trust in yourself and in the relationship to be like there's room for me to fuck up there's room for me to be yes. like oh you actually don't like a tongue in your ear but you still like me yeah you know? oops you don't like that okay my bad never again right it's okay right yeah I think you know there's this idea that like we can with consent we can eliminate risk and I, mm-hmm. I just, like, we got to get out of that. Like, you know, being alive on the planet is risky. Being, relationships are risky. Sex is risky. These things are risky. And we take these risks not knowing what we're agreeing to, but knowing the, that there are risks. And that yes. those risks are going to reveal themselves to us along the way. Um, you know, there's yeah. risk aware, consensual kink. But, like, I feel like we really got to expand that into just, like, friendships, like, family dining. You know, like, it's – these are risks, and they're risks that we take because we want sex, love, intimacy, connection, et cetera. Attachment, achievement. Yeah. And it's, it's like, we talked about earlier. It's, like, I feel like some people want a bumper – they want to put the bumpers up in – around the world. Like, they want everything. They never want to experience – it's this thing with, like – conflating hurt with harm too like yeah if somebody you know like you have somebody says something you don't like or somebody isn't able to meet a commitment they made and it, it's like I'm hurt that doesn't mean that there was harm right yeah. but we right or like 
I, I don't know. I think there's this desire to make the world really safe. And I think about my sponsor in AA always says, um, you know, get hurt. Like, mm. you got to get hurt. Like, that's the whole fucking name of the game, especially in relationships, romantically, friendship. Yeah. Yeah, we're just out here opening our hearts to people. Well, yeah, there was something that I learned about, you know, in in studying attachment theory that, like, secure attachment doesn't come from, like, a lack of conflict. It comes from repair. And, like, so if you never have conflict, like, that relationship is likely actually less secure. Right. Um, and I also, I like what you said that, like, hurt does not equal harm. And I, I, I want to look at, like, regret does not equal blame. Because I feel like there's, like, a lot of, you know, I'm thinking about how let's say someone doesn't ask about something and the other person like doesn't speak up and they let it happen. And then after the fact, they're like, well, you should have asked. Like, mm. yeah, ideally, sure. But like also everyone has different things that they ask about, you know, like, like someone might ask, can I touch you here? And I think they mean they like want to finger me and they mean they want to go down on me. And and then I can in the moment be like, oh, that's not what I thought you meant, but, like, is this okay with me or not? You know? But, like, they asked for what they thought they needed to, or what they wanted to ask, you know? Um, like, they thought they were being clear. There yeah. wasn't, like, malintention. And right. there was a miss, you know, language fails. And then you're like, oh, I'm in this thing now where I thought they meant something else. And it's kind of on me to be like, oh, actually, like, that. Or even just, like, you can fucking change your mind. Right, of I course. I thought it was chill, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah, and that, like, for me to then afterwards be like, well, you didn't ask specifically how or with what part of your body you were going to touch me. You know, like, where's my agency in there? Right, like, and there's and it's like, I love this because, you know, when you mentioned earlier, you're like, people think I'm a rape apologist. It's like, no, that's not what we're saying. But But it's this thing of, like, is this somebody you can say no to? Like, that should be a question we ask ourselves before we engage with people. You right. know what I mean? Like, do I feel comfortable being like, I don't want you to do that? Because right. that's our part of the dance, right? That's right. As well. So regret and blame, I think, having those taken apart. Because I think the feeling of regret does not mm. mean that someone is to blame, Mm-hmm. necessarily like I may regret something and that might indicate to me that I don't want to do it again mm-hmm. or that mm-hmm. I just learned that I don't like that particular thing or that like now that you have more wisdom you wouldn't agree I mean pff, the amount okay Mia here's some <laughs> real here's some real elder millennial tea for you when I went to Sarah Lawrence you may have heard of it uh-huh M- Mia and I are both Sarah Lawrence dropouts um to Sarah <laughs> Lawrence true. anyway <laughs> um I went to college having like not a lot of sexual experience and so I decided that I needed to log some hours so what did I do I went on Craigslist and I banged like a small uh handful of guys in their early and mid 40s in Manhattan because I was like who knows how to have sex this is how little I knew at the time and I look I look back on that and I don't think any of those guys were like 
bad guy. You know what I mean? I'm like, that's a little icky, but it was totally consensual. Would I make that decision now? Would I encourage anyone else to make that decision? Probably not. But having regret doesn't mean that that person, those guys were bad guys. They were, might be a little opportunistic. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, like whether it's like an, a particular activity or an entire relationship, you know, <laughs> like there's, there's regret and it just doesn't necessarily mean that anyone is to blame. It can mean that I learned something new about myself. And mm-hmm. I think that a lot of times what happens is that people like collapse things mm-hmm. into like, mm-hmm. you know, if I regret it, then it must have been assault or like, you know even the binary of like it's either rape or not rape right and like we were we talked about like the idea of like being assaulted and then feeling like like I okay like I had the I dated this guy who was much older than me um there were a lot of power dynamics at play um that were like hot for me to explore Mm -hmm. and I think hot Mm -hmm. for him also but he kept putting a dry finger up my butt I love how you always (laughs) preface it with dry finger Right, you're like, because the finger was dry. butts don't self-lubricate. I, but also, like, the point of the story is, like, I kept saying, like, I do like a finger in my butt. Just please use lube. Like, any right. kind of lube. I don't care where you get it. I don't care if it's from your mouth. I don't care if it's artificial. I don't care if it's from my pussy. Just, like, get your finger. Don't stick a dry finger in an orifice that doesn't lubricate. You dummy. Right. Uh, something a person would know had they ever had anything in their own butt. But that's beside the point. So. So, so, well, and also, like, the conclusion of this story, the finale of it, is that, like, the final time that he put a dry finger in my butt, I screamed at him, lube! And he was like, <laughs> I love when you get mad at me. And I was like, oh, oh fuck gross. you. Yeah. I hate that. Yeah. Right. So, like, that was an instance where, by definition, it's assault to, like, put a finger in someone's butt without asking and then to, like, do it in a way that they have repeatedly asked you not to do it, right? The first time right. he did it, he just stuck it up. Like, didn't ask, didn't do and nothing. Just put a finger up my butt. And I was really surprised. And I did that thing in my mind, that people-pleasing, like, res- thing where I was like, he must, he must just not know. He must just not well, know. Well, uh, maybe. That's what my people-pleaser voice sounds like. Yeah, it's like justifying maybe. other people. Well, you know, I... I'm a stupid bitch and he knows more than I do. Yeah. Right, right. And like <laughs> he's older than me. Like he must so, just not it's a different generation. Like he it's a di- wait, say, saying stuff. it's a different generation <laughs> as an excuse for the people you sleep with is so funny <laughs> to me. And it's and it's so specifically worker coded. Mm. Like I'm like, Mia, that's like that's very sex worker coded. Well, we very did funny. hire a sex worker that was like my I believe my only experience thus far with a sex worker was that we hired a sex worker to tell him what to do to me. And this is a story that I've written a little bit about. And it's in my book uh, at the moment. It may be removed, but it's currently <laughs> in my book. Where um, where we hired a sex worker. I This is a little bit of a tangent, but it was my friend. And I called her and I was like, listen, I just want to give you like a little bit of background so that you know, before we do this, like, one thing is that he's married, you know, this is somewhat casual, so, and, like, his, it's an open marriage, like, blah, 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 Mm. but, but just, like, you know, please don't ask us to, like, gaze into each other's eyes and tell each other we love each other, like, that's not what this is, (laughs) and also, I do like a finger in my butt, however, he keeps putting a dry finger in my butt without asking, and she goes, 
oh no 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 <laughs> and she's like oh honey I, oh honey I, I got you and i was like okay great so then we you know she comes over we do the thing she guides him to like this is gonna get really graphic so she guides him to like finger me in the front and get his finger all wet and then and then asks him to like take out that finger and like move it towards my butt and he does some kind of like feat of gymnastics where he like tries to leave that finger in my vagina and use his other hand his dry hand and he's like on his elbows you know like lying down so like physically nearly impossible and he's like trying to yeah so he's trying to get his dry hand down into my butt and I and I've already asked him numerous times at this point to use lube and I reach down as gently and calmly and sweetly as I possibly can I say this hand and he pulls out that fucking idiot exactly exactly (laughs) And so then it was like the next morning that he woke me up going down on me. Yet another thing that we did not ever discuss. A thing that I love when it's been negotiated. Discussed. Yes. Yes. But he wakes me up by going down on me and I'm like half asleep and he's like, tell me what to do. And I'm like, can you do the circles? And he's like, don't ask, tell me. And I'm like, do the circles. And then he does it and he's like, okay, keep telling me what to do. And I'm like, just keep fucking doing it. Like, what the fuck? Right. So, but then I'm like, all right, get on your back. I'm going to sit on your face. And I sit on his face. And this guy takes a dry fucking finger and tries <gasps> to stick it up my butthole. And I pull it away. And I'm like, I scream, lube. And that's when he says, I love it when you get mad at me. And I was like, oh, so you're like pissing me off to dom, to get me to dom you. Instead of just being like, it turns me on when you're mad at me. Can we play that you're mad at exactly. me? Exactly. Exactly. He just actually tries to piss me off. So, mm-hmm. and that was the last time we slept together. Like I ended it after that. I was like, this is so, and I, and I ended up running into this friend, the sex worker on the subway. And I was like, she was like, you know, Hey, like, what's up? How did that end up going? And I was like, and I told her, like, he tried to use the other hand and she was like, what the fuck? What the yeah, fuck? I, I'm I'm clapping as your friend for you being like, and I never slept with him again. It's like that's the end of the Seventeen magazine mm-hmm. version of this story. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what we learn? What was, what did we learn from this? Yeah. Oh my god. I mean, there's like so much more to this story too, but I won't go into it. But the point being that this was an instance where like that is assault. Like putting a finger mm-hmm. in someone's butt without asking, especially a dry one. <laughs> excuse me, is assault. Mm-hmm. And yet. I didn't leave this feeling violated. And, like, I mm-hmm. could have wrecked this guy's reputation. I could have probably destroyed all kinds of things about his life, which is another reason why I feel like when people talk about power dynamics, I'm like, we don't talk much about the vulnerable position that a person with more power is in and the, pow- the power that someone with less, you know, systemic power often has because, like, I could have destroyed that guy's life. And I wouldn't do that. I, I, I mean, that's like absolutely atrocious to me. But I recognized the power that I had in that situation and the vulnerable place that he was putting himself in by acting on his feelings for me. Um, but yeah, so the, the point of like 
I was assaulted in that scenario, I didn't feel violated. I didn't feel traumatized. My conclusion was this guy's a fucking idiot. (laughs) Yeah, we hate him or I hate him. Yeah, and I'm not going (laughs) to do this anymore, you know? Right, and I think, you know, this speaks to this larger thing that um, I mentioned to you earlier, which is this, you know, in 12-step we have a lot of, like, adages, I guess, one of which that used to really piss me off when I first got sober was feelings aren't facts. Mm -hmm. And it made me so angry because I'm somebody who feels really deeply and has a lot of identity around like feeling really deeply. So I would, yeah, that's me. Um, So I was like, uh, fuck you with this like patriarchal bullshit. My feelings matter. And it's not that your feelings don't matter. It's that you can't, your feelings are not reality. Like I've had situations where I've felt really violated but there was no violation that happened. And like you said, I've had situations like I, I shared about, I somebody put their finger on me, uh, in me on stage in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And in the moment, I wasn't, I didn't feel violated at all. I was just like, who let this guy in here and where are the bouncers? Like it, it my feelings, but it was a fucking assault. Like mm-hmm. your feelings don't always indicate reality. And I think a lot of times people conflate they think that their feelings are a barometer for reality which unfortunately they just are not yeah you know I think the reverse is also true where like Mm -hmm. you can feel super violated Mm -hmm. well yeah right that both are true you can like not feel violated when like you were assaulted but that doesn't necessarily mean that you should then you know, that's not a domino being flicked that like, oh, well, then you should press charges and you should report it and you should whatever, whatever. It's like, well, how, you know, what's, how do you feel about it? Like, I just feel like I don't want to do this with this guy anymore. I think he's fucking stupid. Yeah. And he's like, likes to push boundaries. Like it's information for me, right? More than Yeah, like like, for me, I was like, this club is not really that safe. mm -hmm. Like where are the bouncers? And Mm -hmm. why is this the kind of club where this, I've never had something like that happen to me before. Like, when I dance in New Orleans, if somebody put their hand on me, it would be three bouncers on that person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I was yeah. like, oh, I just don't want to work at this club anymore. That yeah. was the information. Yeah. Yeah. I also want to mention, I, you know, this was a situation in which I started to understand or I sort of came up with the language of like, rather than feeling like my consent was violated, even though mm-hmm. like in very literal technical terms it was, what felt more accurate feels more accurate even now is that consent wasn't taking place. And that's been really helpful language for me where I'm not like, you're a consent violator, you know, like you're an abuser, right? I don't really use that language. Like you won't hear me use that language. I was also writing about that this morning, like why I don't use that language um, for the same reason that I feel like, you know, it leads to this like othering of like, well, those people are abusers and then we stop reflecting on our own behavior. Mm -hmm. But Um, you know, what, what felt more true was like the conversations about consent were missing from the relationship. And I feel like that happens. I've seen that a lot with restoration and repair clients. It's like the fault was not that you did something wrong. It's that a conversation should have taken place before this was engaged in and it didn't. And now there's ambiguity and feelings and we're trying to sort of forensically go back and see like why these feelings are occurring and most likely it's as you said historical Mm -hmm. because they're out of proportion to what really happened but had we had a a consent had consent taken place before 
that we might not be in this position. That's right. That's right. I think also this is something that my dear friend Bahar, who you know. Um, Obsessed with Bahar. Bahar for president. <laughs> Bahar for president. <laughs> they wouldn't do it. No, no. <laughs> They'd be like, I'm not fucking taking that job. No, no way. <laughs> Honestly, they have better things to do. Yeah. Um, like make tinned fish videos yeah. on Instagram. My favorite thing. Like play a sock puppet in your in your musical. Yeah, yeah play my tapeworm. Um, mm-hmm. and sing with the most angelic voice I've ever mm-hmm. heard. Um uh, so Bahar once pointed out to me because I was talking about someone who said that I trigger her. <laughs> you trigger me. <laughs> I can't, I'm sorry. We're like, we're sorry. now we're getting canceled. It's yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, baby. Welcome to reality. I you don't get triggered out here. Yeah. And <laughs> Bahar so beautifully pointed out that, you know, by definition, being triggered means that you are having a disproportionate reaction to what's happening right now based on something from your past. And Thank what, you. Right. And what that means is that those feelings and those reactions are your responsibility to manage. Yes, church, I swear to God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, yeah, all the time I'm just like, wait, what, I, fi- I find my experiences often like, I'm like, what's happening? What's happening? What's, what's occurring in this moment? Because the reaction you're having to what's happening is not the reaction I'm having. And that's not to say that we're not entitled to different perspectives, but I'm talking about just like, I'm at a two and you're at a ten and a half. And like, I don't know. Did I miss, like, I'm literally like, did I miss something? Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hysterical, historical. Yeah. For real. Um, I have to go talk to a client, speaking of which. Wow. Oh. And also, we didn't introduce ourselves. Should we do that? Oh. Do you want to do do it at the end and then put it at the top? What's the right way to do that? I don't want to do that kind of editing, man. Great, Let's great. Just, I'm Mia Schachter. I use they, the pronouns. I'm a con- writer, consent educator, intimacy coordinator, and artist. <laughs> I'm Risden Roberts. I use she, they pronouns. I'm Mia's friend. Um, <laughs> <I> also- <laughs> uh, I'm also uh, an intimacy coordinator, uh, consent educator, surrogate partner therapist, and how about town? Love it. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for doing this with me, Risden. We're we're back on our <laughs> shit. So back on our bullshit. Yeah. So we'll do. We're gonna do some eight episode seasons and then take some. Hi, what did I say? Hi eight tie. Hi eight tie. I don't. <laughs> sure. It, you know it can send. It's like English. Who yeah. knows? Who knows? Yeah. Make it up. <laughs> <laughs> I all right see you later bye, bye.